0: It's sex and Sarah Rose. I'm Sarah Rose and really quick before we get into this episode, I know you may have found my podcast because you were looking for some interesting information about sex to listen to, but what you may not know is that I actually work with a lot of men to help them tap into their inner badass, have the sexual confidence that they've always desired to have, and to know once and for all that she isn't faking it. I have two distinct programs to help men. The first is for men who are ready to take the first step towards igniting their powerful sexual energy and getting better in bed. It's called Sex Stallion Training and it's an online program for you to do on your own time in the privacy of your home without a partner. This is for men that are single, in a relationship or dating people. The second is called Man on Fire, which is the only sex university just for men. This six-month program is designed to help you become the ultimate sexual master. For six whole months, you train with me in live online sessions and I will train you to be the best lover that she has ever had. So if you want the sex secrets that every woman wish you knew and you wish that every woman had told you, this is where they are finally revealed check out more info at tantricactivation.com or just check out the show notes in the podcast app you're listening to this from now and there will be links there for you. Thanks and enjoy the show. It's sex and Sarah Rose. I am Sarah Rose and today the story is about hashtag me too. And I'm here today again with Erin Hickok, who I always have so much fun with, and you all love so much as well. Erin is the founder of Games for Humanity and creator of Cards for Connection, and we always get to have so much fun with her intimacy deck here on the show. Erin, thanks for being here with me today, and I'm really excited to talk about this particular topic with you. I think it's going to be a really great conversation, So, but how are you? What's your week been like?
1: Oh, thank you, Sarah. Um, yeah, I'm really glad to be here, really excited for today's topic, and yeah, I've had a really, a really fun week. I have been um, focused on launching my new coaching program um, that I do for creators. And so I've been playing around in a lot of like the creative space and really just having extra time to myself uh, to do a lot more writing. So that has been fun. And I kind of feel like, you know, it got really nice here in Austin it's sunny and beautiful and breezy and so now I feel like i have like a butterfly that's like just come out of a cocoon and just wanting to connect more with people socialize more and um yeah, feeling, feeling really good, feeling the summer vibes nice. coming in. It
0: is so hot already in Phoenix. Thankfully, there is a pool right outside my bedroom window, and <laughs> uh, I've been working a lot and haven't really taken advantage of it too much, but as it continues to get hotter, like it gets so hot in Phoenix that they have to shut down the airport because the, the uh, planes mm-hmm. cannot fly
1: right that is <laughs> wild so did they have to do you that know, this that week? usually
0: doesn't happen till like july july okay. and august yeah but if it gets to 119 then uh planes can't fly
1: oh my god that's so hot wow <laughs> i thought it was hot in austin but uh well you know they do say it's it a dry heat it makes right? such a
0: big difference and that's like the joke that it's a dry heat but like it does make a huge difference because the humidity just feels suffocating. It's all sticky. makes you feel miserable. And then plus on top of it, the mosquitoes are so bad. You know, in Austin, you can't go outside without coming back in with, you know, 10, 15 mosquito bites. Mm -hmm. And not only is that not safe, like it's just really annoying too. So in Phoenix, we don't have to deal with the mosquitoes. I will say that the humidity in Austin is so much nicer for your skin though. Like I mean, the it just is so drying here. So I think I'm actually going to get a humidifier and sleep with a humidifier on. So that way my skin gets moisture at night because I feel like I'm drying out. <laughs>
1: uh, uh, well, I like that you have ideas how you can have the best <laughs> of both worlds. Yes. You want uh, it all, fair Rose. Something I love about you, you <laughs> <want it all. laughs>
0: definitely, <laughs> but what else has been going on?
1: Oh, well, you know, one thing I decided, uh, I decided that how, um, people were loving playing these, the cards for connection and the intimacy deck. And I love facilitating groups, playing the cards. You know, I get hired. Usually when I'm doing it, I'm hired to play it on a broadcast or like with a group of people um, either for team building or sometimes I do events where like we play the sexy, uh, the sexy cards and I'll facilitate that for some sort of group. And I've decided that I want to start holding the games uh, just regularly uh, for myself and have people buy tickets and come and, and play and just start doing it for the general public because I get to meet new people that way. And just have an opportunity to connect more uh, with my audience, so that's a new decision that I've made, partially because of you, Sarah Rose. You know, you having me play on the the podcast all the time—it's just—it's so fun. I love hearing what people have to say. So that's a pretty well. New, congratulations! Pretty new that's awesome yeah thank you i'm i'm excited like i would definitely i'll I'll have to invite you to
0: a game i think okay I think so i just had like this wild crazy idea so i just watched molly's game have you seen that
1: i haven't yet but it's so
0: good it's like so it's the first movie i've watched since quarantine <laughs> Isn't that terrible? But (laughs) I know. But that's like because I mean I like movies, but oftentimes I just feel like I'm wasting my time. You know, where it's like okay, there's two hours that. Well, especially when I'm also training jujitsu, like I, I hardly I'm like no, like I'm not going to spend two hours watching a movie when I could be training instead. Like just absolutely not. And like during quarantine, I've just been putting all that energy into my business. So. I haven't, you know, it's just one, it's like, I like movies, but they're not a high priority for me. Uh, But Molly's Game is one that I've been wanting to watch. And then I was talking to somebody last week and he asked if I'd seen it. And I was like, no, but I really need to watch that. And I'm so glad I did. It's really amazing. But I was just having this idea of like how you could somehow incorporate like your cards into like some sort of game like that where it's like t- turning turning your like your connection business into like some high stakes thing. <laughs> <laughs> probably not what you're going for but <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: like high stakes risk
0: yeah. I wonder how you could do it though I I would find a way that's like just <laughs> that's the way my brain works
1: <laughs> Right. well I did find a way how to make the game a competition I did figure that out oh yeah how'd you do that like you have people compete for who can complete a full rainbow Ooh. first So it's, like, a little bit based on chance, but also a little bit based on, like, willingness to be open and connected with people for each of them. I also one time participated in, uh, like, a beta test of, like, competitive authenticity. Um, (laughs) It really did not work well. Like, people were crying at the end of it. Have you seen
0: that J.P. Sears – do you watch his videos – I do. I do. So I haven't he, seen it for he a little recently, bit. Recently, I want to say in the last couple of months did one. I mean, I just catch them like every now and then I'll run across one. And so I'll watch it, but mm-hmm. he did one that was, um, Oh, I don't know what it, it was. It was how woke people argue or something like that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny. So like they got into an argument first about, uh, I think it was like what? What's the most nutrient dense food or something? And I think one person was like sea moss, and the other person was kale or something like that. And so then they start arguing about it, but using all of like the authenticity type style of speaking uh-huh. <laughs> that people use. <laughs> it was really funny. I feel
1: like I definitely need to go watch this immediately after we're done recording.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely, I uh, have to find that link and uh, link it in the show notes.
1: <laughs> oh, please do. Please do. I'm, yes, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> As I've noticed that, I mean, I have definitely had people, had conversations with people where all the structures that they were using were definitely like, Definitely, what you know, a person might be trained to communicate, but they're, you know, they're there's a way we can use a structure exactly can still be very
0: shallow. Yeah.
1: Yes. (laughs) 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 Yes. Or blamey, or shamey or any multitude of things. I'm so excited. You know, JP moved here to Austin, Uh uh, and He had a really good one on also. He was making fun of Austinites, um, which I don't know how many of your listeners have been to Austin before, but I think my favorite moment was when he mixed uh, juice from juice land, like one of their green juices, and he dumped queso in it. Oh my God. (laughs) And was like mixing it up and drinking it and just basically making a commentary on like a city that's like so devoted towards, health and wellness and also is completely obsessed with (laughs) Uh, yeah I really like him I really like the way that he points out things that are you know seemingly opposite things showing up in the same in the same
0: And the other funny thing about Austin is the sparkling water. Like it is such Mm. an obsession. You know, there are so many different brands of sparkling water and (laughs) so many different flavors. It's really funny.
1: Topo Chico for life. But do you just do like the straight
0: up Topo Chico or do you go grapefruit Topo Chico or lime Topo Chico? You know, I'll do, I'll do a citrus flavored
1: one if I'm just feeling saucy or whatever. But really, I prefer to put my own lemon or lime or grapefruit in it. And the reason why I like Topo Chico better than a lot of the other ones is because Topo Chico is a mineral water. And so that is my, that's my preference. Although it does seem ironic sometimes how, the, you know, they talk about, you know, you're not supposed to drink the water know, right? when you're in can- water from Mexico. And then, it, yeah, we just import it here, but it's because it's from a natural source I do think of spring. That it
0: has been bought, though, in the last maybe six months or so, oh. or six months to a year by, I don't know by who, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit curious as to quality control now that it's been bought by you know, a bigger corporation. I'm not sure exactly what happened there, but but yeah, I've definitely been a Topo Chico fan. I do like Waterloo though. Waterloo. Oh,
1: Waterly. Oh
0: Waterloo. Oh, yeah. They have a mm-hmm. lot of really fun flavors. Yeah. I like the Blackberry. The Blackberry one tends to go with a lot of different foods as well. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We're like, we're here to talk about Me Too, but also sparkling water. Uh, I love how we can keep it—we can keep it light even when we're talking about serious things because I think this is like—it's exactly what life yeah, is like.
0: Yeah, I mean, and it has—that's like one of the, the uh, mechanisms that we have against going crazy. <laughs> it's like being able to find things to entertain us, to laugh about, to be silly about, even in the midst of chaos crisis everything you know or else literally like our brains can not handle it it's too much to deal with all the shit that's out there
1: you know I think that I think that you're right on and I think that you know even though there is all sorts of chaos happening there's also really normal things happening consistently all around us and I think it's I think when we talk about the brain it's really about focusing like with intention Uh, and choosing where we're, where we are placing our attention so that we can get the best result for our lives. I mean, that's the way that I look at it at least is that I do want to look at these deeper topics. I do want to have these discussions and when it's causing me, um, like if I get obsessive about something, you know, there's a point where it's like, Hey, I need to take a break and focusing my attention elsewhere is something that's going to be healthier for me in the long run even if we're talking about dealing with a thing that's a very uh, like a much heavier thing if my mind is not refreshed and my body is not nourished I'm not going to be able to deal with that
0: right heavier thing right definitely it's uh definitely important and yeah, I think that's there's, there's a lot of judgment going on right now with, you know, during this crisis and judging people based on how they're handling it. You know, you see a lot of judgment of like celebrities for things that they've said that have been, you know, maybe socially unconscious, things like that. And it's just, you know, we're in this world that has 8 billion, almost 8 billion people and how are we, we're never going to be able to please everybody, right? And we all have our own ways of coping and dealing with things. And I think that, you know, whenever we see people in the media or whatnot that, you know, do things and then there's this public outcry of like, oh my God, I can't believe she said that. I can't believe he did that. Like clearly they're just so unaware. And You know, maybe there is some of that, but at the end of the day, like we're all human and we're all just trying to do our best and we are all in very, very different situations and no one is ever going to... Understand another person's perspective, even if you live in the same house with them. Like, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to. We don't live the same life as somebody else, right? Like, we don't walk in the other person's shoes. And as much as we can try, it's just not possible to fully do that. So, you know, I would like to see a little bit more compassion. (laughs) I just feel like there's so much judgment being thrown around all the time.
1: I think you know what it comes down to for me, Sarah Rose, is that people. I think that in general, people either look at things as it's a multi-dimensional thing, so it's complex, and so there's space for me to have compassion because I know that I don't know. And then there's a a tendency towards black and white thinking of this is right and this is wrong, and it's like oversimplifying. What whatever's happening? I mean, I honestly, I see this anytime I go into a discussion about any sort of topic that can be triggering. If there's a group discussion around it, there's usually the first half of the discussion is to get people onto the same page that things are more complex than they seem on the surface. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder, I wonder what it would take to get us to all start.
0: It would take a lot, and it's definitely something to do on, you know, the micro level rather than the macro level, because um, it's very intimate and personal, you know, to go through that process. I mean, maybe it could possibly be done on a larger scale, but I don't know.
1: Yeah, I'm curious. It seems to me that it's a, it's a product of an evolution of one, of perspective. It's something that it seems like people develop it over time. Like it's an, it's a natural mm-hmm. process. It seems like our systems and our ways of communicating the things that our systems are built out of are built on that older perspective. That it's like this is right or this is wrong, which I think this is. I mean, this really plays a lot into the Me Too discussion, and probably my my biggest beef with, with the broader discussion. Is that it? Is that some people take it as a this is right and this is wrong, like oh somebody accused this person of this thing and and people jump on the fence like this is right or this is wrong and there's not as many people are saying hey this is a nuanced discussion, like in every single situation that people are talking about mm-hmm. is different.
0: Yeah, and it's it's a really. Tough place to navigate. You know, it's a definitely a minefield of triggers when you start talking about this. Everyone has their own opinion, everyone has their own experiences with it. My stance on it from the beginning has been that it definitely was something that was needed in society. We really needed this to happen, we needed this extra. Awareness, like we really needed it to be brought to the forefront of our conversations as a society, but there's definitely been a back, backside to this, like the shadow side of it, has been more suppression of sexuality, and ultimately suppression of sexuality is what got us into the situation in the first place. Because when you try and suppress something. It's not going to go away. It's just going to come out in like really thwarted ways. And so that's what we see. Like we see unhealthy expression of sexuality in with the way that women have been treated and men as well, but more women than men. So studies show that it's one in two women that have been sexually abused with men it's at one in five. We think that it's probably those numbers are higher, but they're just not as reported. So um, it's not as acceptable for men to talk about sexual abuse. Not that it's really been acceptable for women to talk about it, but it's been more acceptable than for men. And so, you know, those, those numbers are really, really high. And, you know, but all of that unhealthy sexual expression it's something that as a society, we need to heal from the inside out. And so while, yes, it really is good to, to finally be able to use our voices, it's good to be able to express the anger, the rage that's been pent up for so long. It's important to do that in a healthy, constructive way and not just begin to really like demonize an entire gender you know like and that's really what's happened is like most men now are being pointed at looked at as predators that they are just like by the by their nature of being born as a male that they're somehow guilty. And that's where I see a lot of issue. You know, I see this with guys that I work with, that they've really shut down sexually. They've shut down when it comes to approaching women because of this. And it's definitely too, you know, two sided. Like a man really ultimately has his own say over the matter, right? Like he can look at what's going on in society and be like, fuck that. I'm not going to let society shut me down. I'm a man of integrity. I'm a man of character and I'm going to continue living my life, you know? And so I'm not saying that people are victims to this because there still is choice um, to be had in the matter, but it definitely impacts them you know definitely makes them think twice about who they approach the way they approach people and Mm -hmm. and you know not to say that that isn't a bad thing you know or that, that that is a bad thing like it's it's okay to think twice before talking to somebody it's okay to think twice before considering going up to a woman or the way you talk to her on a date like those aren't necessarily bad things but there's really has been Just a lot of negative aggression towards men. You know, and and many women would say, well, you know, too fucking bad. Like women have had to deal with sexual repression for the last 10,000 years. And so now men are just getting, you know, to taste a taste of what that's like. You know, so I see that side of it too. But the sexual repression of women was not a good thing. And the sexual repression of men is not a good thing either. So it's not like what we need to do is for all of us to be able to have a healthy expression of sexuality, not just like a tit for tat type thing.
1: Yeah. I think that this is a great point, Sarah Rose, that there are like the the, the people who probably are the most vocal in this movement, you know, are the people who, who probably have the most motivation and the most charge to speak about it. And so I'd say that that definitely colors the, the movement as a whole, you know, I'll say that like, In the Me Too movement, I was like, "All right, I'll share my Me Too moment." Like I've had a couple of them. One was particularly poignant for me, but also I've done my inner work around it, and I mean I've gotten to a place of acceptance for myself. And so in sharing my experience, while it was a bit edgy, it also I don't know at this point in time it's just like, well, yeah, that thing happened, and that's what happened, and I moved on. I've moved on. And I'm just, I'm, yeah, I I guess I'm, I'm a little bit at a loss of, I'm at a little bit of a loss of exactly how to be in support of people using their voice, expressing their grief or their rage, or, you know, having that healthy expression out there and also having healthy expression for the men in our society also, because I know that when I hear this, I used to be a person who thought all men were perpetrators and I'm not a person who thinks that anymore. Hmm. And yeah, so I guess I'm just, I'm, I'm, I find myself kind of feeling at a loss of like, well, geez, I, re- I really want to do my best to help support the women in this movement. But then I also see on the side of the men And my heart go. My heart really goes out because I've seen. I mean, I've seen myself really amazing men who who have repressed themselves, who don't ask women out on dates, who have become very timid. And I honestly don't find that like personally like that's not even very attractive for me as a woman. It's like. I that's not what I want at least out of the movement to to water down men. I don't want to do the same thing we've been doing with women to do that with men.
0: Yeah, and that's really what is happening and it's like I don't that's not the goal here, you know, like the goal is for women to become more empowered to, you know, not have to deal with this anymore but instead we're, instead it's like almost going backwards in a way, you know, it's like, okay, we're going to drag the men down with us now instead of rising women up.
1: I have a question. Do you think, That this is all like started because of the Me Too movement, or that the Me Too movement really just put a voice to something that was already happening. Yeah, I mean, all this
0: stuff was definitely happening. I think this just brought it really to the forefront of um, public conversation, you know, political conversation, uh, social Mm -hmm. conversation, all of it. And so, it definitely is something that that we needed to happen. And I. But there's also the whole thing where, you know, we we definitely live in a society where the legal system is innocent until proven guilty. Mm-hmm. And what we've seen with a lot of this is that that isn't what's happened, right? Like that people are being you know, just presumed guilty because they've been accused of something rather than going with traditionally what's been accepted in our society as innocent until proven guilty. And so that is, you know, a part of our, a part of this that really needs to be looked at because we have high standards in our society for what it means to be proven guilty of a crime and right now there's just a lot of people making accusations and maybe those accusations don't actually like go into you know the court system or anything like that but they're still damaging reputations you know so it's a it's really uh, there's a lot of mess with all of this uh one of my good friends I was talking to him yesterday because he I was unaware of uh, the fact that he had been accused of sexual misconduct uh, a few years ago and just the way this still follows him around. uh, And we see it in the Biden case uh, that's going on right now, the accusations against Joe Biden. And so you know, once something like this happens, it tends to follow people. In the case of my friend, like there was a lot of gray area and he takes he takes full responsibility for not being more clear with boundaries, but the way that his accuser really took things and ran with it and really like continues to try to destroy his reputation based on you know his his side of the story based on other witnesses that were there is very like what she says happened is very different than what everyone else that was there say happened so like you know it's it's a really tough thing for people to, to manage all of this. And, you know, like the whole believe, believe women component of the movement has the, has shifted into like, believe all women, which you know, that just makes it a blanket statement of like, okay, well, women don't lie. But we know that's not true. We know that all people lie. (laughs) it's, It's not a gender thing. Like men, women, trans, like people, it's just part of us. And so to believe women was supposed to be this, like elevating women to more of a place of credibility, whereas before it was, the standard was, oh, women are not believable. And so we needed to change that standard, absolutely. But that doesn't mean that every single woman is going to, you know, tell 100% of the truth. Like if, a you know, if somebody maybe she was in a relationship and her boyfriend found out that she crossed some boundaries. Well, then it can be easy to say, well, you know, I was coerced or, you know, I was under the influence and he took it, this other person took advantage of me, you know, so in order to like save the relationship. So things like that happen and it's, What I don't like is seeing, especially in the age of social media, you can spread information so quickly about people to so many people and really just destroy and damage a reputation in the blink of an eye uh, without any, any recourse for that. And like that's where that's the type of thing that really needs to stop, you know, like if there's really is an issue with a person, take care of it. But what I see oftentimes is people being completely unwilling to even sit down and have a rational conversation. And I'm not talking about situations of violent rape or, you know, things where it was clearly black and white but there are a lot of situations out there that are more of like the gray area and like how do we come how do we like bridge that how do we start from a place of of healing rather than a place of of just accusation and and damaging like causing further damage to to the situation, and I don't know the exact answers. I mean, this is definitely um, a situation that a lot of really you know intelligent people are trying to figure out. and um, but at the end of the day, like we all want healing. and so really moving towards that place is what ultimately is going to create a place where we can all thrive sexually where we have very limited situations and issues of sexual violence compared to just the tons that occur now
1: yeah i'm i'm noticing like there's something about so there's something about not talking about sex and sexuality like, that's a big reason why I created the game that I made, because I believe that the more that we're talking about these things, that we're open about it, that we're just clear and explicit with other people, that we can have conversations about it, that we're, it's not going to get repressed and twisted, which I think is part of the, what fuels sexual violence in our society. Well, so one thing, so it makes sense. Like, so then I'm, you know, I'm thinking about me too. And it's like, okay, well, it's opening up the conversation, which I think, okay, that's great. Like, let's definitely open up the conversation. And I feel like if we just stop, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, now we just are gonna, we're gonna, we're going to hold up a thing and say, this happened to me also, this happened to me also, you know, I'm accusing this person, but I feel like, isn't that, like, there's got to be more than that there's got to be more than that where we're having deeper conversations about the nuances of these things about the things that are actually like engendered into our society like if we're talking about sexual violence i mean you can definitely look at the way like men uh, male female dynamics for example like in the movies you know look at any movie from the the 70s or the 80s there's definitely uh dynamics that I mean I've definitely seen dynamics that perpetuate a view of of women that I certainly wouldn't be all right with you know somebody treating me in that kind of way and so there is this way of like stepping more into our voice that is needed as women but there's also this stepping into our voice I feel like there's like a really empowered place for men to go in this movement as well um first of all like you know being able to be with confidence with ourselves and then also call, call other men into, I don't know, what do we want to call it? Like, like sacred masculinity, like the, yeah, the, the sacred masculine, what kind, I don't know, what kind of yeah, words do you like, like to use with Conscious
0: your... masculinity, just like really, you know, in and, and being men of, of integrity and character and not just being the nice guy, right? Because like what- yeah what we need, what women, I, sh- I shouldn't say need, because then people will be like, we don't need men. But <laughs> but what, what I would like to see, I'll speak for myself <laughs> as a woman, is men that are allies in this, right? So mm-hmm. men that stand up with women and mm-hmm. be like, there to to speak up, there to help us out, and you know just to to be support. Uh, like just the the battle of the genders is it's just it's not a fun place to be you know like i've definitely noticed that the dating for um has changed for myself since all this happened like it's just not as much fun as it used to be like i actually I, like i used to really have a lot of fun dating and now a lot of the juice in life has gone out of it and like i want to enjoy sexuality and like that's what my whole brand is about is like pleasure like having the whole like having pleasure in every aspect of our lives and working through all of the shit that holds us back from that I just feel like a lot of the a lot of the pleasure is gone now do you
1: think that the pleasure is gone because people are afraid to have open and honest discussions. I just feel like it's
0: gotten boring. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> like there's um yeah, I, I think I used to just like go out, not really worry like would just have a lot more fun. I uh, you know, could just meet people kind of randomly and now there's just a lot more cautiousness and not that cautiousness is a necessarily a bad thing but it can be it can be stifling too
1: do you mean like you're more cautious or the men are more cautious
0: yeah for sure Mm -hmm.
1: so this and this seems like it's a response to the more vocal people being around the me too yeah movement i've definitely noticed something. a change
0: since the, the me too movement happened
1: but you also i mean this seems like a d- maybe a dumb question but it's like you're you're a stand for like honest and open communication yeah of course
0: yeah so, so. i'm not i'm not saying like to not be honest and communicative like definitely that stuff is is important but you can still like have like fun in there and it can still be juicy right like with the the cards that we play like that's juicy and fun and it can and it's still like very honest and transparent
1: yeah absolutely I guess so the thing that I keep on thinking about is like, oh, all right, like, well, what are the what are the solutions? Like, how can we bring about the solutions? And, you know, I would love ideas for the macro level, obviously. But you know, even at the at the micro level, like what can men and women do themselves to help bring more fun, more play, but also more honesty into their in, into the into dating, yeah, looks, so
0: right? definitely like the the anger that people have, both men and women, needs to be resolved in healthy ways. And so, I uh, like in the Man on Fire program, I give guys, and when I do private coaching with women, I give it to women too, like ways to express their anger that doesn't have to involve the person. they're Mm -hmm. angry at and so that way they can start to to they can express that in a healthy conscious way and but also start to have empathy for the person that they're angry at so purging is one thing that we do where like they will envision the person that they're angry at sitting across from them and just completely unleash on that person hundred percent. And then they'll actually move to the place where they just envision the person they are purging against and they'll sit in that spot. And then that person will respond back to the original person and, you know, just basically with their side of the story. And so, you know, it's one person imagining this whole situation and enacting this whole situation, but then a person, they'll move back to their original seat and then they'll reflect back on how how they felt hearing that from the other person. And it's a whole process that has like more steps than that that we go through, but the end result is, ultimately beginning to have some understanding to see some perspective on the situation to be able to fully release in a way that isn't going to harm somebody else but still be able to go through that process like it's definitely an important part of the healing process to to like purge on to just let loose on somebody and so you know we don't want to do that in a way that's going to actually harm someone so this gives an outlet for that to happen so there are different ways that we can go about you you know, the healing process, but to just to stay stuck in the space of anger, like Mm -hmm. that's not going to be fun for anybody, you know? And we see that, like we're such, so angry as a society. Anger is very powerful. And when you can channel it, then you can use that energy. But if it if it is in control of you, then you're going to sabotage yourself by letting your anger continue to control and ruin your life. So it's important to, you know, make that distinction and take you know real look at your life like you know anger is a very natural emotion to have and that's it's okay to to experience it but what are you doing with it like is it ruining your life or is it empowering your life and uh, for most people it's ruining their lives and so like being able to you know to express it feel it fully Complete the stress cycles that we have. So many people have stress cycles that are stuck in their bodies because they weren't able to run. They weren't able to fight. They weren't able to scream and say, get off me, things like that. And so those stress cycles get trapped in our bodies and um, get trapped in the nervous system. It becomes trauma locked in there. So there's just a lot of healing work that needs to be done on the very personal level. And so having that awareness, like really getting that awareness out to people that there are ways to heal. There are other ways to go about this than to just continue you know, spreading information through social media. like that, isn't helping anyone unless it's literally you're trying to get awareness out to your community because there's a certain person that has you know really like violated many people and like you know is just like really like rampant in that and you know I've seen some of that stuff but but that type of person, like, you also need to go to the police about it. Like, don't just try and take care of it on yourself, on your own with social media. You know, like, I just, I in the wake of Me Too, I saw so much of that happening. And I saw, you know, like, another really good friend of mine being accused of things. And, like, I just I don't I don't like seeing that and I don't like how how people can just take the liberty to destroy others without you know really having to have any type of proof of what really happened.
1: Yeah, I think this is an interesting an interesting conversation. I mean, I'll say that for myself when I posted my me too moment, I didn't like Accuse anybody I just spoke about what it was like for me personally to go through that experience the emotions that I felt like the events of like what happened mm-hmm. um and I mean in in all honesty in all honesty it was like I noticed my throat is really tight from talking about this um in all honesty, I didn't report my situation that had happened because in the moment when it happened, I could see that this person did not realize what they were doing was inappropriate. That like that was my biggest takeaway from that experience for myself was that literally like when I was yelling. And, you know, I actually, did, I did use my fight or flight response, but the person didn't real, they, they, they honestly did not realize it. And I think that's like, that calls back to the cultural expectations and different, you know, different cultures have different um, expectations, but this is like a, from a very, like, let's say machismo kind of, kind of culture. Mm-hmm. Um and that I didn't. I, I I honestly didn't didn't call the police or do anything in that particular situation because I could tell that 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 response, like that that response, it created it created an awareness for that person to really look into if that was an okay way for they, mm-hmm. them to behave or not. Um, and I think that, that I mean obviously i don't know about every single person, but I think like ultimately isn't our goal our if our goal is just punishment, right? I feel like that's where the black and white thing comes in It's like well, if the goal is punishment, like that's how people are going to be when they're talking about it. But if the goal is to heal our culture from damn like ways that we're damaging each other doesn't it yeah doesn't it make sense to to approach it with a, with, with some sort of hope that there is, there's, that healing is possible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen, I've definitely seen men that have said like, I was wrong. I should not have done that, you know, and it was things that were more like gray area of like, okay, I, you know, I wasn't really aware of, whole situation and i should have taken the responsibility to to ask more questions beforehand i should have taken the responsibility to you know to to stop when i realized that she had had more to drink than i thought she had something like that you know Mm -hmm. and things like that you know where they, they really do feel bad, you know, that they, that they cause any type of harm to somebody. And like they really, like a lot of guys, what I hear is they are, they are so afraid of causing harm. Like they don't want to be part of the problem and they would rather just shut down, you know, than, than to cause any harm to women. And so we're just, we're all in this situation, in a really bad way like nobody's having fun with this
1: well definitely not on the shadow side of it i'll say um it doesn't you know it, i definitely would not classify it as fun although i might classify it as necessary for us to be able to look at these things and address these things uh so that we can come to a place of better understanding for each other and more com- clear communication i mean that for me that's the bottom line that's the bottom line is how can we have open discussions like once we take away the stigma and 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 we can we can have the skills like the social skills to be with someone in a way of of acceptance and of listening ultimately so that we can find, find a solution, a pathway to move forward.
0: And isn't that what we're all looking for? Yeah, definitely. And what I'm talking about, like the social media thing, I wasn't, I didn't mean like when everyone's posting, you know, their me too moment on, Mm -hmm. on social media, like Facebook, I think was probably the main modality that people use, but I'm talking about more of just the direct attacks on specific people. Like, you know, this person did this and, you know, it just continues. There are some people out there that just don't stop. Like it could have been years ago and, you know, that the, the accused maybe has tried to reach out, tried to apologize, tried to do everything in their power and they've just been you know, told, leave me alone. If you contact me again, this is considered harassment. I'm going to report you to the police. And they're just like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I, I'm trying to bridge this with the other person. I'm trying to communicate. I'm trying to apologize. And they won't even hear it. And yet they continue spreading rumors to, you know, try and sabotage my entire life. And I've seen that in multiple occasions where a lot, of, a lot of people were doing that and I still see it. I'm not really on Facebook very often, so I don't really know like if it's still going on. But when I was on Facebook, like, I would see it almost daily and I'm just like, I don't see how this is benefiting any of us especially if somebody is like really trying you know I get it like if someone's just being a total asshole and like not apologizing and you know just um or continuing the attacks right like if somebody's in an abusive situation where they're being attacked by the same person over and over that's definitely different Um, But I'm talking about, like, the one-off situations, where is gray area, where there's two different sides to the story. And, like, because what I'm really seeing in, in men in those particular situations is really a desire to, like, to say, like, hey, I'm sorry, and I really didn't mean for this to happen, and what can I do? How can I help? How can I mitigate the damage that I've done? So, those are the type of situations that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, like, where there was like, you know, things that were, I guess, worse, for lack of a better word right now. Does that make sense?
1: It does, absolutely. I mean, it, it and it has me think about, like, well, all these we're talking everybody talks about the Me Too movement and it's like, oh, it means this one thing. But I think that actually the point of that is that it's a whole lot of different I mean, I wonder like how many categories of things that there would be inside inside of this this movement. And I hear like the, one of the most damaging things that you're talking about is people people who are I would estimate are coming from such a place of hurt and wounding um that they are taking on a role of persecuting another person to like punish them for that for for their wounding which in the way that you're talking about it like in, in that it's like there's an an excess where like the punishment is perhaps that the, that they're continuing to punish despite the desire for reconciliation
0: Yeah. I remember like just the days, like when Me Too first started, just like every single post on Facebook was just like one after the next. And it was a lot. I mean, and this is something that I deal with on a regular basis as a professional is hearing people's stories, both men and women. And like, it still was just like, wow, like this is just, I just remember feeling sick to my stomach. Like I couldn't even read it all. (laughs)
1: yeah I mean it is definitely a light being shined on some of the darkest parts of our society both in the way that that you know sexual abuse is is happening but then also there's there's this other offshoot of retaliation um, both are forms of perpetration and abuse, yeah. which I think that you know we're we're here to take a stand and say that healing this kind of trauma is possible, even when and it's extreme. And they're also
0: looking at this and really looking at society and asking the question of how many people actually care about the culture of sexual violence and how many people actually truly want to transform that and you know i don't i don't know what that is like i think that there are plenty of people out there that really don't give a fuck like you know it's more just like oh well that's just part of what happens and like those people you know they're they're not the type of people that are in our our world typically you know and like that we interact with but there are a lot of people out there that really just don't care when you say don't care do you mean like they Mm -hmm. don't see it as an issue yeah they don't see that it's an issue it's they don't they don't see that it's something that we need to change in society yeah mm-hmm. so it's a uh, a lot of different perspectives out there,
1: yeah I think it's it's interesting I would be interested in in continuing this conversation. I imagine that reflecting on this for a couple of days that I'll have more questions,
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I chose to not share during me too. It's not something that I I felt like would help me it wasn't something that I felt like I needed to do um, or that I would really have any benefit from and so I know you know a lot of people felt like there it would help and they did but then like I feel like there are probably a lot of people like me also that were just like what's the point you know like that's not going to help and so as much as we saw, there's so much more that we didn't see too. Yeah, absolutely. But that ended pretty heavy. (laughs) (laughs) Do we have any questions today?
1: Oh, we do. Yeah. Let's open up the mailbag and, um, and have a look. So um, Craig writes in, and he says, Sarah, I have been falsely accused and my reputation has been destroyed and I just don't know what to do. Can
0: you help? Yeah, I would say that the best thing to do in that situation is to write a public, uh, write a letter that you release publicly. Um, that you personally share on social media, if that's uh, the way that your reputation has been destroyed, whatever way that your um, accuser is accusing you, you know, if they're unwilling to stop, if they're unwilling to mediate in any way, maybe you have people in your community that can come in and help to mediate. I know A lot of guys have told me that they've wanted to do that. They've tried to do that and the accuser has been unwilling. So if that's the case, then I would say your only other way to go about it is, you know, to write your own letter. Uh, If you need to get legal counsel, then you, you know, definitely look into that as well. It may be that, you know, slander or libel is happening in that you need to take some legal recourse if it just absolutely will not stop. And so that's really my, my only suggestions there, but I'm sorry that's going on. And um, I hope that you can get uh, some sort of resolution for that.
1: Yeah. Can I try, I want to add an extra thing is like also Craig definitely be willing to get to make sure that you're having personal support in this process so somebody that you can talk to about the emotional ramifications to help you process that yourself um, and examine the situation um, i think that's a really great idea yeah. as well mm. well uh sarah rose it's that's still a bit heavy you <laughs> have a we do have another letter in the mailbag, and I feel like it's, it's a little lighter, but I think it can create a really fun practice for us from that. So Keenan writes to us, he says, I'm afraid to approach women in public now. Is online the only safe space to find a date? It's
0: definitely the easiest because you know that you're there. Both people are there with the intention of dating. So it kind of takes a lot of the other stuff off the table. But every dating expert is going to tell you that the best place to meet people is by doing things that you love to do. and so I would say that getting to know people on um, on a level of friendship, just you know general getting to know you first and then and then from there making the bridge to um, to something else and I know guys are like I don't want to be friend zoned uh, <laughs> so there's you, you got to go about it you know in in a way that is is smart uh, and clearly right now during uh, quarantine we're not really out there doing the things that we love to do so it makes it a little more challenging but you can still meet people in um, you know friends parties that are going on online things like that and just get to know people like I, I don't like the whole idea of just approaching people for the uh, the idea of like trying to get a date because it automatically feels weird like just approach people as people that you're interested in getting to know and that in itself takes so much awkwardness out of it but like if you see somebody for whenever we are out of quarantine and you're at a coffee shop and you see somebody that you're interested in, like express to them your curiosity about them as a person, not as a potential date. Like there's a big difference there and she'll be able to feel it.
1: Thank you so much, Sarah Rose, for saying that Um, as someone who gets hit on I can definitely tell a difference if people are interested in me as a person, or the other. I'll say that my, my sometimes I feel like a piece of meat, which might not be terrible if I knew the person and had some trust with them. I might enjoy that, uh, but if I don't know them at all, it definitely comes um, across yeah, as awkward. Like
0: I was just kind of trying to have some coffee here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Like I'm working on a business project. Like, yeah, I think it has a lot to do with like, like social skills, right? Being able to communicate and also approaching things like with the intention of getting to know people, of creating connection with people. And I find that most
0: guys somehow, somewhere have been trained that they have to sell themselves right and so it's almost like an interview where the guy is like sitting there selling himself to the potential employee and it's like here are my credentials you know like, and it's like all right well let's focus on like just the things that the, the connection the intimacy like just on on a human level not on it doesn't have to be on a romantic level but on a human level like how can we connect what are some things that you know what are your top 5 things that you're most interested in and like where can we connect in those top 5 things and like just go from there and begin to explore through conversation and because that's, that's ultimately like why we desire relationship, right? We don't have to have relationship anymore. It's not like we, you know, we live in times where people are so reliant and dependent on each other that they have to have that. So we go into relationship now because we desire connection. We desire partnership. We desire intimacy with somebody else. And so just focus on creating that
1: I love it. I think that is a beautiful, beautiful um, prescription (laughs) Uh, for some more joy and play and
0: authenticity in the dating world. And by the way, I have, um, as soon as quarantine is up, I have a hot date. So so, I know we've been messaging quite a lot. We did meet on an app and... Yeah, I'm very, very curious. We actually, we're having our first, we've just been texting and now we have our first call tonight. So mm-hmm. I'll get mm-hmm. to hear his voice. And that's kind of a big thing, like somebody's voice, you know?
1: Very nice. Yeah. So let do we get you uh, warmed up for tonight's date by playing some of my favorite cards? Let's do it. All right, I'm going to
0: pet the deck and find out which card is going to be our card. Oh, I just thought about this. I'll play some of these cards with him tonight.
1: Ooh, excellent. Well, I just picked uh, a perfect card for today. (laughs) When I talk about sex with my lover, we talk about blank.
0: Uh, so we talk about what we like, uh, like what excites us for me, of course, it's going to be Tantra, but it also like some, some light BDSM play. I'm not like super into the hardcore stuff, but I like the light play and yeah, just kind of, uh, finding mutual interest, finding, places that we can explore and how, how to go about all that.
1: Mm. (laughs) Very nice. How about you? For me, when I talk about sex with my lover, I definitely, yeah, I love, I love to have open conversation about what we like and uh, what we like desire to do. But I also really like reminiscing about past sexual experiences and what we liked about those experiences. I think that's a pretty fun, a fun way to get a, a perspective of desire and things that we've enjoyed, but like more after the fact um, sometimes new insights come in. So yes, about, about what we want to do with with each other and what we have really enjoyed doing.
0: I like that. Do you like talking about past experiences with other people?
1: I do actually, but I'm also sensitive that some don't like that, but I definitely love talking about all the things that I like. You know, I I try to be sensitive. Yeah, I like it too.
0: I think for me it feels like it's actually really important because if you pre- try to pretend like a person's past doesn't exist it's like you're not accepting all of them and their past is what makes them who they are today the person that you're interested in today and without all those past experiences they wouldn't be the same person that they are sitting there with you right now and so like i actually think it's really healthy to be able to accept all of a person and part of that acceptance can be openness to hearing and exploring those things you know of course like maybe you want to be sensitive into the regards of like oh this was the best lover i ever had and like no one else has ever measured up
1: (laughs) yeah that's exactly the kind of talk that i'm you know saying be mindful about because once it gets into like a like there's a difference between saying something in an exploration excitement kind of way and like a comparison kind of a way, like a competition okay. kind of way.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: So should I pick another card? All right. I am fanning out the deck and Ooh, Ooh, I like this one. Um, Okay, I'm going to go first on this one, okay? All right. And it's so perfect for today's episode. This one says masculinity is blank. Mm -hmm. Well, masculinity is very sexy. Uh, Masculinity is... yeah for me, it's like this this like container that I can surrender into this like strength, this direction uh, that can hold my flowiness. And masculinity is definitely very, very sexy, very sexy.. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I think it's your turn because I'm getting all hot and bothered over
0: here. Oh my God, like the second you pulled the card and you were like, masculinity is like my pussy got hot. (laughs) I literally like started getting wet and just felt the heat in my body. Like, I love masculinity so much. I think that's why I enjoy working with men so much. Like, and that's why I enjoy doing jujitsu so much. Like, being in an environment with men, like, I just, I love it. I love the male energy. Like, I just love, I love masculinity. <laughs> like, it's just, and I love femininity too, but I, I really, I like, just a a man that's like really um in his masculine power you know that knows who he is and that just owns it and he's just rocking it in the world and like that's so fucking hot and I love being able to to help empower more men to to be in that place so that way the world is just full of like all these really incredibly sexy men
1: mm. men in their integrity with strong character and totally on fire for yes. what their passion is ooh
0: tell me more <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, it's rare to find a guy like that. Like it really is, is hard. And I think that's one of the things that frustrates me most about me too, is that I just feel like so many guys have shut down and like, that's not, I'm not attracted to that. I'm attracted to guys that are really strong and that are out there with their purpose and with their passion and just like living life fully uh and like that's just what's really really sexy when I think of masculinity like that's the vision of man that I have
1: Mm. Mm. that is your story and you're sticking to it
0: Oh. Hey, it's Sarah again. Thanks for listening. Make sure you check out the links in the show notes for everything we discussed in this episode. And you can also find out about how you can work with me. Until next time, lovers. Down tonight. Yeah.